0: say we love jesus anyway the ten commandments you ever stop to consider what jesus said about them in matthew 22 it's the summation of these ten commandments wound up in the two really and they have been seriously breached by every man we're exploring those ten next hey
1: could you
0: worship The schools and government may think that the Ten Commandments are obsolete, but as believers in Christ, we all know just how vital they are to our lives, and even more so, how Jesus fulfilled the law and used it to redeem us. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand as we continue our look at Exodus chapters 19 and 20 in our series called Arise, Move, and Go. We're in part 20. And God spoke all these words. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace.
1: Notice verse 18, Exodus 19, 18. Notice what it says. And the Mount Sinai was all together in a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in what? The Lord Jesus descended upon it in fire. This is the same Lord that was in the burning bush that met Moses some years earlier Do you understand that he's the one talking only now he's much more magnanimous and much more glorious as he will be when he returns again in flaming fire, taking vengeance on all those that know him, know not him and that do not obey the gospel. That's the Jesus coming back. So when y'all hear folk talking about Jesus today in this kind of little Lilliputian way, in this small Jesus way, in this weak, whippy Jesus way, they have never met the King of glory. They have never met the Lord Jesus by the power of his spirit in the depths of their heart. Jesus is all together. Holy, holy, holy. That's why we sang it. That's why we sang it. Because the cherubim sang it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let all flesh keep silence before him. See, y'all don't hear this kind of preaching anywhere today because the Lord God has removed himself from humanity and have given them over to vanity today. No one is operating out of godly fear, hardly in our communities today. It's all a joke, it's all fun, it's all games until God shows up the way God really is and people die. Right? So the framing that I'm trying to give you is something that happened one time and it did not happen ever again. The only other hint that you and I got of God speaking was when Jesus was baptized And the heavens opened up and God did not come down in the person of Jesus. He spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It would do you good to listen to him. But see, I'm already getting into my third point about mediation. This is why I say you and I need a mediator. We need someone between us and a true God. See, God ain't going to change his nature. And yours and mine, it's already messed up. And the problem is if a holy God draws near to an unholy person, you and I are going to lose. You will never stand before God on your own. You will never make it. You will never. In fact, the moment that God draws near to you, you're running from him without a mediator. Please understand that. This is why it happens all the time. As the word becomes more poignant and more clear. Let me see if I can make that true. The seven experiences that I told you about was the it's fact that God came in a cloud. He ascended with smoke. He uh, uh, descended with fire. He descended with lightnings and thunder. And Mount Sinai was all together on the smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. Now that's going up into heaven. Boy, that's a fire. Is that a fire? It's going up into heaven. Everything around those people felt like judgment day. You hear me? There was nothing bright, nothing sunny, nothing calm, nothing placid, nothing melodic, nothing joyful. And I can tell you what God wanted them to do. He wanted them to understand that he wasn't to be played with. You get that here in a moment. Look at the way the verse uh, 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 unpacks itself. Exodus 19, verse 19. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded loud and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a what? There it is. There it is. Amazing. So in point number one, the awful day that God spoke, this sevenfold experience of stuff that if it happened today, you would not think that the world has ended. Sub point B. And then God gave a prohibition, didn't he? Do not touch it. Look at verse 21 of Exodus 19. Verse 21 of Exodus 19, all over the place. Uh, Verse 21 of Exodus 19. Let's just keep on the track. I'm trying to build a point. And the Lord said it to Moses, go down, go down, Moses. Charge the people lest they break through unto the Lord to do what? See what they're doing? They're already trying to get up the mountain. They're already trying to get up where Moses is. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. God didn't call them. God called Moses. There's a big difference. God did not call them up. He called Moses up. They were supposed to hold their position. And as Moses is going up, they're trying to break through the tape, trying to break through the rope. They want to get up there and see it too. And God said, you better go down and tell them. You better go down and tell them. And many of them perish if they do what? Gaze upon God. Do you see it? Very important. Verse 22. Verse 22. And the Lord said unto Moses, thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. It ought to be enough that God talks to us. You don't have to see him. See, they want to do more than hear from God. That's what they're asserting, right? Now, God hasn't started talking yet. But what God is saying to Moses is, tell the children of Israel, I'm going to give them a privilege no human being has ever heard. God is going to talk to the whole nation himself. But no, they want more than that. What do they want to do? They want to see the God that they're talking to. And God has not allowed them to draw near. And so God is telling them, be very, be very careful. Be very careful what you are asking for here. Look at verse 23 and 24. Notice what it says. You shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto you gods of gold. Do you see it? Can I tell you what God was doing right there? He was exposing the hearts of the people who are trying to run up into the smoke to see God, because he knew that the moment that they get a gaze, a gaze. Now, the word gaze here in the Hebrew means to fix and actually assess and composite what it is that you're looking at. Because he knew that as soon as they got a picture, what were they going to do? Make an idol. You keeping up with me? Make an idol. Because that's all that our crazy minds love to do. Our imaginations aren't bit, are bent on making shapes and images. We want to confine God to our intellect. We want to confine God to our reasoning. We want to confine God to our empirical science. And God is saying, no, they don't get to have that access to me. Look at verse 24. Verse 24. An altar of earth shall you make unto me, and shall sacrifice thereof the uh, burnt offering unto me. I'm I'm in the wrong chapter. That should be chapter 19, uh, verse 24, because I'm still working through the prohibition. That should be chapter 19, sweetheart. Go back to chapter 19. There it is. And the Lord said unto him, away, get thee down. And you shall come up, you and Aaron with you, but let not the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break forth on them. That's cold. All right, here's a little lesson before we even get into point number two God's giving you and I insight into the priesthood. Are you ready? This particular priesthood is not qualified to fellowship with God. Did you notice the separation that happened? He told Moses to come up. He said, you can bring Aaron up, but the priest can't come up. That's because God knows our hearts. Do y'all know your Bible? Do you know how much foolishness the priests are about to get into in about nine chapters? We're getting ready to head to that time when the people are going to force Aaron to take the golden earrings and make a golden calf, an image of the Egyptian gods, and then call it Jehovah to take them back to the land of Egypt. Does God see them for who they are? And see, if God cares enough about you, he'll tell you to stay put. Mm -hmm. You don't get to draw near to God. Somebody else has to remember our subtitle is what? The grace of a what? A mediator. Mm -hmm. The grace of a mediator. It's a good thing when God gives you a mediator. Isn't it right? Right. And you don't have to usurp his place. You don't have to take his place. All you got to do is sit behind him and let him go between you and God. And that's what the text is teaching us here is very clear. Lest the Lord break forth upon them. Amazing. Again, the idea of gazing here means to capture a mental image. Capture a mental image of him. And notice what God is doing. God is saying, you cannot see me. All right, let's do a little education. We're getting ready to learn that God in this ontological nature is infinite. We're getting ready to learn that God encompasses heaven and earth. We're getting ready to learn that God sits on the circuit of the universe. That means God is omnipresent. That means he cannot be confined to a body. What that also means is if God is prohibiting a gaze, he's prohibiting a gaze of Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of the invisible God. Jesus is the visible Yahweh. You're not going to see the Father anyway. Did that come home? Did that come home? It's important for you to know. He's saying, you don't get the gaze upon me. That tells me that I know who Moses was talking to. He's talking to my master, the Lord Jesus in all of his glory. Paul already taught you this. Jesus dwells in a light that no man can approach unto. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus possesses all of the divine attributes. Jesus is himself the effulgence of God's glory. Do you you remember that? I am the light of the world. Remember what happened when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and that glory showed up. And it was so brilliant that the disciples had to bow themselves you got a little bit of a taste of it here. You got a little bit of a taste of it here. Remember, lo, I come in the volume of the book. who Who is written up? Right. See, I see Jesus working with Moses. I see Jesus allowing Aaron to come up because Aaron is going to be the head of the mediatorial system called the priesthood. But I see the priest being told to stay down at the bottom because as the people are, so are the priests. Bunch of wicked men. See what I'm getting at? And we'll see that when we get to chapter 24, because all I'm getting ready to go up to the mount and see the bottom of his feet, not his face, the bottom of his feet. So if you guys are getting anything out of what I'm saying, this is the ominous nature of drawing near to God. As you draw near to God, you got to come to God on God's terms. You cannot play games with God. And you and I are being taught from Genesis to Revelation. We cannot come apart from a mediator. That's what we're being taught. And the inference should be easy. You don't qualify. We don't qualify. We are rotten by nature. We're nothing but sinners. We're wood, hay, and stubble. To come into the presence of the ineffable bliss means for you and I to immediately burn up. That'll come home in a moment. This is the reason why God's first manifestation to Moses in Exodus three was a fire in a bush that did not consume that bush represented Israel. It represents all of God's elect. You and I are nothing but bramble bushes where the spirit of God is pleased to dwell in us, where Jesus is pleased to dwell in us and not consume us. It's a mystery of grace. That's all it is is a mystery of grace. Am I making some sense? It's a mystery of grace that you and I, limited, hellbound sinners, rebellious against God could be the habitation of the Holy Ghost where sometimes miracles come out of our mouth at other times so much foolishness that shouldn't nobody ever pay us attention again. Yeah. Am I making some sense? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I'm trying to help you understand your Bible better. See, God didn't annihilate them. He didn't kill them. He just told them there are going to be some ground rules here. You're not coming that close. Your heart is not right. Did that make some sense? You're not coming that close because your heart is not right. Now, you ought to be thankful that you're the only nation on the planet that God talks to directly from the top of a mountain. You heard me. You heard me. Is that beautiful or what? All right, point number two, let me keep moving because there's so much to talk about here. The inability to do what? Receive his word. The inability to receive his word. Again, I want to stay at my chapter. says chapter 20, verse 18. I want to walk this through. I want you to hear it. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, when they saw it, they removed. I told you they ran like fugitives, like wanderers. That's that's what the word literally means. It's the same word for what they are about to do for 40 years. That's our term. They're getting ready to wander for 40 years. And and you know the reason why? Because they won't obey God. So you have here a little micro image of their rebellion and their inability to draw near to God because their heart is not right. They can't handle God talking from the top of the mountain. They certainly can handle being in his presence as Moses was. See what I'm getting at? And so now they're scattering like roaches. Only people from the hood know what I'm talking about. Once you cut the lights on. Scattering like roaches. Yes. Y'all know what that's like. The room look clean, but you know it ain't clean. And all the people saw it. They ran, they stood way up. Now, these are the people who a moment ago were trying to break through the ropes and come to the top of the mountain. Now, I want you to see why, because this is going to bring us to a portion of the study that is so remarkable to me in relationship to why even Christians today don't read their Bibles. Look at the next verse. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us, and we will what? Hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die ladies and gentlemen the lord gave nine words he would have given 19 words he would have given 29 words god would have kept talking if they could have endured it he would have kept talking so that they would have got all the revelation of all of god's will and all of god's purpose all by himself had they been able to endure it. They interrupted God. Did y'all hear what I just stated? Right, God wasn't done. God didn't say, and now I'm finished. Did anybody read that anywhere? And no, they interrupted God like church folk do. And they said, I'm going to dismiss myself because I don't want to hear from him. Did you hear what I just stated? That's what people do who cannot endure sound doctrine. They remove themselves. And now they need Moses. Now notice what they do with Moses. They tell Moses, Moses, listen, we'll listen to you. Now, how well did that go for the other nine encampments we just dealt with that? See what I'm getting at? I'm gonna talk about Moses here in a moment because I need to. But understand that the people now having weighed the weight of God's word over against what Moses did in him mediating all those other encampments, they feel like they would much rather listen to Moses than to listen to God. Y'all see that? That's only human, isn't it? It's important for you to capture it. We will hear you, Moses, but let not God speak with us, lest we what? So true, so true. Point number two, the inability to receive his word. This is so Absolutely clear. Sub point A: We cannot bear His voice. That's what they were saying. We cannot bear God's voice. Listen to Psalm 29 verses four through nine. Listen to Psalm 29 four through nine. The psalmist puts it this way, and does this not correspond with our text? Listen, the voice of the Lord is what? See it? They could not stand His voice. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of what? Look at, look at verse 5. I'm going through 9. The voice of the Lord does what? Breaks the cedars. That's powerful, isn't it? Yes. That's powerful. Listen, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon, verse, five, verse 6. He makes them also to skip like calves. Lebanon and Syria like a young unicorn. What is he saying? If you don't know, when God's voice shakes the land, all of the deer start running. Yes. They all start scattering for the hills. Here theologians and scholars of that day, I'm talking about the prophets. They actually believe that God spoke in the thunder. God spoke in the lightning. God spoke in the earthquake and the moving of the earth. I actually believe that. Can I tell you why? And I won't be here long. There's no such thing as absolute natural law. We can make up all the rules we want to. We can make up all of the laws of physics, the Newtonian laws. All of those are markers. But what about what's behind it driving it? What's moving the earth to quake? What's moving the thunder and lightning? What's moving the clouds and the intelligibility that they engage in? Your scientists can't tell you that. Listen, if I had to... um, If I had to be judged on how many times the weatherman gets the weather wrong, I wouldn't have a job. Right. Because they're all speculating. Now, we're into a whole nother dimension with them manipulating the weather. We know that. But what I am saying is what they do. And this is mankind in his pathological capacity to lie to you. God will grant man the instrumental means of being able to actually observe and recognize patterns in creation. And they'll call that first causes. We say, sorry, that is not first cause. Those are instrumental means. The first cause is invisible. The Bible tells me we know that the things that are made are not made by the things that are seen, but by the things that are unseen. Even his eternal power and Godhead, meaning The way this world functions, there has to be a God behind it that's upholding it, governing it, allowing it to function the way that it does. It only makes sense. And so here the psalmist is laying out before us the power of God's voice as he speaks. Look at verse 7 and then 8 and 9. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. Verse 8. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. That's where Israel is now. Verse nine, the voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf. That's again, the deer are running. He discovereth the forest. What does that mean? The lightning lights it up at night and you can see everything. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? He exposes the forest and his, and in his temple, doth everyone speak of his what? God is glorious in all that he does. See, we don't don't give the attribution of this world to Mother Nature. We give it to Father God. All right, now Mother Nature may have her job instrumentally, but God Almighty is the creator and sustainer and upholder of this universe. All right, it's very important for you to see it. And this is what Israel was dealing with, Job chapter 37 Verse 1 through 5, Job will say the same thing. Now, Job is like Abraham, the oldest oldest prophet in the scriptures. He goes way back to the days of Abraham. Listen to what Job says. At this, my heart trembled and is moved out of its place. Verse 2, we want to walk this through. He attentively, he attentively, he uh, hear attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. Now, notice what Job is saying. Listen attentively to the noise of his voice. Now, see, long ago before folks had GPS, that's what they had to do. Long ago before there were automobiles, that's what they had to do. Long ago before there were any kind of maps, Atlas maps or what have you, you had to really pay attention to the way God spoke in creation. You had to be careful about weather patterns. You had to be careful about gathering clouds. You had to be careful about the way the wind blew. You had to be careful about the thunder and the lightning. All of that was intelligent for people that lived at the native level of the ground. Am I making sense? And most of y'all should know that. Hurry up and understand. We are really removed far away from our sensibility to the God of heaven and earth because of all this technology. We're more dumb now than we ever have been. Our kinfolk folk know way more about navigating this planet than we do.
0: We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Stand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782 reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 main street that's 22768 main street Hayward California the zip code is 94541 as always it's a pleasure spending time with you hearing God's word growing in his grace until next time may Christ be your way of grace
1: I don't care what they might say we love Jesus so anyway. But they might say, we love Jesus anyway.